Well, good morning and welcome to Bachelor Creek. My name is Joel, and uh, we're so excited that you have joined us for worship today, whether you're here in the room with us or whether you're joining us online. We're kicking off a brand new series today that I think is really going to help us all gain a level of wisdom for our daily lives. Albert Einstein said, wisdom is not a product of schooling, but of the lifelong attempt to acquire it. Charles Spurgeon said, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Life is hard. (laughs) Navigating complex problems is hard. Making the right decision can be hard. We so badly want to have a successful career, a successful marriage. We want to succeed financially. We want to have life-giving friendships. We want to raise our kids to love God and love others. I mean, how in the world do we do this? Is it even possible? If so, we need to gain wisdom. In this series, we're going to be working out of the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Proverbs chapter 1 with me. Several years ago, there was a man named Adam Brown who was preparing to go to college. His dad, H. Jackson Brown, decided to write down the most important things his son would need to know to prepare for life in the grown-up world. He put this advice in the form of a little booklet, and eventually the booklet was published under the title, Life's Little Instruction Book. Maybe you've heard of it. It sold millions of copies. Approximately 3,000 years ago, King Solomon did the same thing. He was the wisest man to ever live, and he compiled a collection of wisdom that he accumulated over the years, and he presented this collection to his son to help him gain wisdom and instruction and to do what is right and just and fair. This collection of wisdom is the book of Proverbs. It's the original Life's Little Instruction Book, and it contains advice for getting life together and keeping life together. In 1 Kings chapter 3, there's a story about Solomon. God appeared to him in a dream and said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Solomon said, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. In other words, Solomon asked for wisdom. The Bible says that God was pleased with Solomon's request and said, since you have asked for wisdom and not for a long life or wealth or power over your enemies, I will give you what you have asked for. Plus, I will give you what you didn't ask for, wealth, honor, and a long life. So God gave Solomon wisdom, and he passed that wisdom on to us in the book of Proverbs. You see, Solomon realized that when we have wisdom, we can have anything. If you have wisdom, not only will you be able to make money, you'll know how to keep it. If you have wisdom you'll be able to find and develop lasting friendships. If you have wisdom, you'll know what to say and how to say it. If you have wisdom, you'll know how to avoid a lot of the misery that people bring on themselves. You'll know how to maximize your personal happiness. If you have wisdom, you'll know how to raise your kids the right way. If you have wisdom, you'll be able to sleep at night because you won't be dreading the consequences of your actions. When we have wisdom, we have everything. So where do we get wisdom? 
Obviously, the Bible is the best source. We can look for wisdom in other places, but at best, our luck will be hit or miss. When we get wisdom from the Bible, however, it will prove to be right every time. The Bible draws a clear distinction between God's wisdom and human wisdom. Proverbs 14, verse 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. In one of my favorite episodes of Seinfeld, George Costanza decides that he's tired of being a loser. He's in his mid-30s, he's unemployed, he's broke, and he's desperately single. And add to it, he lives with his parents. As he's sitting with his friends in the coffee shop, he realizes that he's got into this position by following his natural instinct. And his natural instinct has brought him nothing but misery. So he decides from now on, he's going to do the opposite of his natural instinct. In fact, he says, I normally order tuna on toast. Today, I will do the opposite. I am ordering chicken salad on rye. And so throughout the episode, he does the opposite of his natural instinct. And by the end of the show, he's turned his life around. He's dating the woman of his dreams. He's got a job with the New York Yankees. He moves out of his parents' house into an apartment in Manhattan. And all of this happened because he stopped following his natural instinct and he started doing the opposite. Now, this is a sitcom. It's a TV show. It's silly and it's supposed to be. But there's a hint of truth here. Proverbs 14, 12 explains that there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Our natural tendency is not towards wisdom. It's towards foolishness. If you follow your natural instincts through life, you will find that many of the things that seem like a good idea at the time will prove to be miserable choices. In order to, in order to succeed in life, we need wisdom. And Proverbs shows us how to get it and how to apply it to our lives on the most basic level. So we're going to spend the next seven weeks in this book, and I think you're going to love it. There are no abstract theological concepts in the book of Proverbs. There's no obscure philosophical ideas. There's no long genealogies in Proverbs. It is simply verse after verse, page after page of plain, straightforward wisdom. And so today we're going to open this series with a look at what wisdom is and how we can get it working in our lives. So what is wisdom? Here's a definition. Wisdom is the ability to make good decisions, period. Now maybe you're thinking, no, that's not it. Making good decisions isn't enough. You also need to act on them. You've missed the point. Whether or not you take action is itself a decision. A wise person won't put off the decision to take action. Wisdom is the ability to make good decisions about what to do, about what not to do, about what to say, about what not to say, about when to take action, and about how to take action. Wisdom is the ability to make good decisions. If you know the right thing, you're intelligent. If you know the right thing and you choose to do it, you're wise. 
As we develop wisdom, the difference it will make in our lives is that it will give us the ability to make good decisions. So with your Bibles turned to Proverbs chapter 1, would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? We'll begin in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. This week on Facebook, I asked for people to share some of their biggest fears, and several people responded, and some people said that they were afraid of clowns, and other people said that they were afraid of heights. Some people shared that, a lot of people shared that they were afraid of losing a loved one, a spouse, a child, a parent. Many people shared that they were afraid of the world that their kids and grandparents are being raised in. Several people shared that, that they have a fear of, of family members not having a personal relationship with Jesus. I know for me personally, I'm afraid of failure. I'm afraid of, of not having control. And if, if you're like me, fear can, can really get to you from time to time. It normally implies that upon feeling it, we, we run in a different direction. Fear causes us to retreat or it keeps us from doing something that, that we may want or even need to do. But today, I don't want to just talk about the fears that you and I have day to day. I want to talk about the fear of the Lord, as Proverbs 1.7 says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So is the Bible telling us to be scared of God? I want you to hold on to that. First of all, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of of wisdom. Notice that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Bible provides us with a starting point. If we want true wisdom in life, we must begin with the fear of the Lord. Now, as I said a moment ago, the real question we need to answer is, does God want us to be afraid of him? And this answer, in part, will be provided by allowing Scripture to interpret Scripture. This means that we can't answer a question like this simply by reading one verse. Instead, we need to look at what the Bible says as a whole to find insight. If you grew up going to church, you've probably heard many of the stories from the Old Testament. Maybe you remember the one about Joshua leading his army to circle the walls of Jericho before the walls came tumbling down. It's an incredible thing that God did. But in order to find insight into this question about fear... I think we need to revisit the beginning of the story in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. God says to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now this is a well-known and often quoted verse of Scripture. Do you see what God says in it? First, he tells Joshua there's no reason for him to be afraid of the task at hand, that which God has called him to. 
But then the Lord gives Joshua the reason why he shouldn't be afraid. That is because the Lord will be with him wherever he goes. Joshua is taught what it means to gain wisdom by beginning with a fear of the Lord. Essentially, Joshua understands by now that what God is calling him to won't be accomplished in Joshua's own strength. But by recognizing this, Joshua is also able to understand that God's strength and God's power are truly beyond anything of this world. And so it seems to be that the first step in this process of gaining wisdom is understanding that God doesn't have to use us, he chooses to. Peter says in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You and I, we are used by God to spread his glory and his gospel to the ends of the earth. However, it is the power of his Holy Spirit that is actually doing the work in us and through us. Therefore, we have to have a healthy fear of the Lord's ability to do this on his own. And so the fear of the Lord is having an awe and respect of who God is and what he can do. This will increase our reverence and ultimately help us find the true wisdom that comes from him. Secondly, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of knowledge. This fear of the Lord, it doesn't just bring us to a point of increasing in wisdom. It also lays the foundation of true knowledge. I'm I'm pretty good at remembering facts and data As a kid, I collected baseball cards, and I would study, and and I would memorize players' stats, and I could rattle off the most obscure data. And so it's no surprise that that I enjoyed shows like Jeopardy and seeing if I could get the, the questions right. And for the most part, it was just the accumulation of facts. It was just useless knowledge, right? Good for trivia nights, but but that's about it. Except for one time in college. In one of our classes, a professor said he would give extra credit to someone who could list the United States presidents in chronological order from World War II to present day. And one kid raised his hand and was able to rattle them off, but one of my friends said, well, what if somebody could name every U.S. president from the very beginning in chronological order to the present time? And the professor thought about it and he said, well, I'll give the entire class extra credit if somebody can do that. On that day, my knowledge of U.S. presidents came in handy because the entire class was able to get extra credit. <laughs> that's good. That's good. We'll we'll talk later. Is this the kind of knowledge? Is is this the kind of uh, of of knowledge that the writer of, of Proverbs is talking about? Is he talking about facts? Is he talking about trivia knowledge? Like what kind of knowledge is truly best in this world? Well, look back with me, if you would, at Proverbs 1, verse 7 again. The New Living Translation says. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. So it seems to be that having this fear of the Lord, which is what we're talking about today, means to lay a certain foundation for any knowledge to be gained. But let's look a little deeper at this word, knowledge. Most of the original Old Testament was written in Hebrew, which means that we have an English translation of this original Old Testament language. 
And when we isolate the word knowledge, we see that the original Hebrew word used for it is da'ath. And this word means knowledge in the highest sense. It's pointing us towards knowledge of God, including obedience to him. And this helps us answer the question of what kind of knowledge in this world is best and most important. It's a knowledge of God, of who he is and what he's about. And this is meant to draw us into a deeper understanding of obedience to him as well. For instance, if we lay a foundation of the fear of the Lord, we will be led to study who God shows himself to be in the Old and New Testament. And when we do, we will see that our God is a God of love, that he truly cares for his creation and his people. And because of this knowledge of his love, we are then invited to simply love him in return. And how do we do that? By following Jesus Christ and his teaching. This is what true knowledge can provide for us as we seek to grow in wisdom and understanding. Third, notice that the fear of the Lord will produce good judgment. Maybe today you're looking for for more practical application. We've talked about the fact that obedience to God is, is often the result of gaining true knowledge and wisdom. But what about the day-to-day work that you do? What other results can the fear of the Lord produce? The Bible says that true knowledge can produce better judgment all around. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10 says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. When we know God intimately, we can find it easier at times to decide certain things. Like, let's look at this from a business context. Let's say that you're sitting in the room with your fellow employees, and your supervisor asks you to do whatever it takes to make the sale. And so those around the table, they're thinking about some under the table, some behind the scenes ways to be able to get the job done. But, but all of it seems unethical and contrary to what you feel God would desire. And so you decide to take a different approach. Even though you know it may take you two to three times longer, you feel like that's the path that's going to honor God. That's just one example that shows us that if we're willing to begin where God says it's best to begin, our judgment on daily matters will overall be better we will be able to point out the sinful temptations that try to draw us in. We'll be able to surround ourselves with the right people, those who will both encourage and challenge us, people who will hold us accountable in the process. So please hear me when I say this. Your life is not going to get worse when you lay the foundation of knowledge and wisdom, when you desire to grow in these things. The results will lead to your ultimate good, but more importantly, it will lead to the glory of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You and I start on the path to wisdom by putting God first. The wisest thing we will ever do is give God the place that he deserves in our lives. And when I say put God first, I mean specifically that we choose to make Jesus the Lord of our life. This is where the path of true wisdom begins. Because as Paul says in Corinthians, Jesus is the wisdom of God. 
And so if we want God's wisdom, we will find it in God made flesh. Wisdom made flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to spend a little more time on good judgment and really talking about putting wisdom to work in our lives. Like, when you hear the term wise man, what do you think of? You think of, like, the, the birth narratives of Jesus. You think of the three wise men. Do you think of a, a guy with a long beard kind of looking out the window, stroking his beard? Do you think of somebody who's old and gray with a lot of experience behind them? Guess what? You don't have to wait until you're old and gray to become wise. You can begin to be wise right now, even if you're young. Now, granted, wisdom is a process that grows over the years. And the older you are, the wiser you can become. However, you can also benefit from wisdom right now. Like, even if up to this very moment you have been an absolute fool, you can begin to put wisdom to work in your life today. If you've started on the path to wisdom by putting God first in your life, I want to share with you three steps we can take to put wisdom to work right away. First, you must believe that actions have consequences. When you drove to church today, why did you put on a seatbelt? Why didn't you drive on the left side of the road? Because you know the consequences of not wearing a seatbelt and driving on the wrong side of the road. So you very wisely wore a seatbelt. Congratulations. You've taken the first step in putting wisdom to work in your life. That same belief that you have in the consequences of irresponsible driving can be applied to all other areas of your life. The reason we do some of the stupidest things we do is because we don't believe in consequences. We think we're the exception. We think that we can get away with it. We think that we can eat unlimited pizza and ice cream without gaining any weight. We think that we can gamble our way out of debt. We think that we can yell and scream at our kids and still have a positive influence on them. But it simply doesn't work that way. Our actions have consequences. Solomon made reference to this foolish disregard of consequences when he said in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 27, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Of course, the answer is obvious. Fire burns. That's the inevitable consequence. And Proverbs is a book of consequences. The message repeated again and again throughout Proverbs is that behavior produces corresponding results. You must realize and believe in consequences. When I say believe in consequences, I'm not just talking about the bad ones. I'm talking about good ones too. All behavior produces corresponding results. Good behavior produces good results. And one of the reasons why we don't do the things that we know we should is because we have a, a what's-the-use mentality. We've been told that no matter how hard we try, we'll never get ahead, and, and things like that. But Proverbs teaches the opposite. Proverbs teaches that we can count on consequences. Behavior produces corresponding results. Now, let me share with you a few examples. 
Proverbs 13, verse 11 tells us that whoever gains money little by little makes it grow. So that's the consequence of saving. Keep saving a little, and eventually we'll have a lot. Proverbs 13, verse 18 warns us that whoever disregards discipline comes to poverty and shame. That's a consequence. Proverbs 14, verse 23, shows us the results and the contrast between work and talk. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Those are both consequences that we can count on. Do nothing but talk, and we'll end up poor. Put some actions behind our words, and we'll be able to build something for ourselves. If we want to put wisdom to work in our lives, we must believe that everything we do creates a corresponding result. Believe in consequences. Second, learn from the example of others. Listen, we don't have to graduate from the school of hard knocks in every area of life. We can learn lessons from others. Our kids, they like to experiment and they like to make different food creations in the kitchen. Like they'll mix things together, they'll create new flavors. And not long ago they were making something and Caleb tried it and he said, yuck, that's disgusting. Jude, you try it. And so Jude took it and he put it in his mouth and then he spit it out and said, that's gross, dad, you try it. (laughs) I'm like, I don't think so. Like I'm good. If you spit it out because it tastes disgusting, I don't need to experience that myself. I can learn from your example. We don't have to learn every lesson in life by personal experience. Learn from others. Follow their example. Get their advice. We can surround ourselves with people who are wiser than we are. In fact, Proverbs says a lot about this. At the end of this series, we're going to spend an entire week on the importance of godly friendships and mentors. Solomon said in Proverbs 13, verse 20, walk with the wise and become wise. To put wisdom to work in our lives, we can tap into the wisdom of others. Third, immerse yourself in God's wisdom. How do we do this? Read his word. In fact, since we're doing this series, I would recommend that we begin with the book of Proverbs. Read these words day after day, that they will seep into our consciousness and they will make a difference in the decisions that we make. If you haven't already, begin to develop the habit of reading scripture every day. Don't feel like you have to to read for an hour. You can start with five or 10 minutes. You can read a chapter a day. You can listen to the Bible on the YouVersion app or on the Dwell app. You can listen as you drive in your car to work or as you do work around the house. Can I encourage you to join a small group where you're not just reading the Bible, but you're talking about the Bible with other people? Practice memorizing Scripture, just a verse at a time, and you will be amazed at how God brings those verses to mind at just the right time. So as we wrap up today, maybe you've been given some things to think about. Maybe you need to readdress the foundation that you're building your life on. Or maybe this whole concept of the fear of the Lord is a new reality to you. 
Maybe you've always associated fear with something bad. I heard one preacher explain uh, one time that the fear of the Lord is not that God would put his hand on you, but that he would take his hand off you, that, that he would remove his hand a blessing from your life because your life was not devoted to him. But my hope is that you've gained some insight regarding what it means to fear the Lord. So don't let this message push you further away from God, but rather let it draw you close to him so you may learn more about his grace, his love, his mercy, his strength, and that you would gain wisdom and knowledge in the process. Think about Joshua, who we talked about earlier. Through faith and obedience, he put himself in a position where he could see just how powerful and how gracious God is. Through that process, it makes sense that he would develop a healthy and a righteous fear of the Lord. Invite and ask God to do the same in you. Spend time considering just how powerful, gracious, and amazing God truly is. In the words of Oswald Chambers, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that we are not left to our own devices to try to figure out this thing called life. But you have given us the wisdom of your word. God, we thank you for the book of Proverbs. God, we thank you for how how practical, how applicable it is to our lives. And God, I pray today as as we begin this, this journey through this book, God, that we would understand that wisdom starts with a fear of you, an awe, a reverence, a respect of what you are able to do in your power and your strength. God, thank you that you don't need to use us. And God, I pray that we would start, we would start with a foundation of putting you first in our life. The way that we gain the wisdom of God is by putting Jesus, the Word made flesh, as Lord and ruler of our lives. And so, God, I pray that we would submit our lives to Jesus Christ. That you would be first. You would be best in our life. And that would drastically change the way we view everything. That we would put ourselves in a position to make good decisions because you are the one who is leading our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.